Thank you for listening to Culture and Agriculture. Today, we are sitting down with Dr. Bob Hayes, the former center director for the West Tennessee Ag Research and Education Center, here to talk about his legacy and his experience while working with the Institute. How are you today, Bob? I'm fine. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about what the center and what UTIA was like when you first started out. Uh, Well, of course, when I first started here, the state legislature had created through the university a couple of positions uh, here to work on research to abate the erosion problem that was occurring in West Tennessee. The position that was I accepted was a weed management uh, position, and Dr. Don Tyler uh, had a soil management position. And we were both in the plant science department at that time in Knoxville. 100% research positions here with that charge. And both of us had come from Kentucky. I knew Don, he was a graduate student, and I was on the faculty there. So we already knew each other and we teamed up along with uh, several other people that had interest in Knoxville as well as Tom McCutcheon, who was the superintendent at Milan, was particularly interested in that because he had a farm himself and he realized what erosion was doing. And um, Mr. Overton and Mr. Hoskinson, Mr. Overton was an agronomist. He worked with all the faculty, particularly in Knoxville, in conducting their agronomic research here. Mr. Hoskinson was uh, the cotton researcher, and he worked not only here, but Ames and Milan and some off-station work. And uh, he was strictly focused on cotton. And uh, so we came in with the experience uh, from Kentucky and no-till. I had worked some in no-till, and I saw the advantages of it there. And uh, so I started uh, at that time uh, Roundup wasn't even labeled uh, for no-till. Uh, Paraquat was. And so we started research then and what could we burn down with to get started. And um, it was mainly uh, double crop soybeans uh, after wheat. And then we moved into corn. Of course, Johnson grass was a big issue in corn and how where we gonna manage it. And of course, Roundup worked pretty good. And we had uh, rope wick applicators, directed sprays, and then hooded sprayers came in. And uh, there was a big Save Our Soil field day in Gibson County. Um, <clears throat> what year was that? Uh, that would have been about 1981, I believe. 1980 was a terrible, hot, dry year here. 1979 was a very wet year. And uh, and then 80 was very dry. 81 was a pretty normal type year. And I believe it was 81. It was in the early 80s anyway. And TVA, Tennessee Department of Agriculture, Soil Conservation Service, the university and industry all came together to promote uh, saving our soil. And Tom McCutcheon kind of 
coined the term the Tennessee TNT, Tennessee No-Till Team, uh, for the people who were with the university working on it. And we had a number of people who then started working on it. In 1980, uh, we put in a grant and got a 4.0 no-till planter here uh, for the station here. Animal agriculture was sort of uh, tailing off. Uh, the swine industry was, people were getting out of it, people were getting out of the dairy industry, and the focus was more on cash grain crops. Uh, wheat, soybeans, double crop, and then corn, rather than being for silage, it was for grain. And we were occasionally working with grain sorghum or um, I remember some with sunflowers. And so uh, that was kind of the phase of it. Then the companies began to develop equipment uh, for no-tilling and then making improvements on press wheels and disc openers and, um, you know, a lot of land was still, when I first started here, a lot of it was tilled to death. I remember one time going out here on Neely Station Road with Mr. Overton and the county had dump trucks and the front end loader, like a Michigan front end loader, and they were scooping up the topsoil that had run out of one of the fields there because they had run under row subsoilers and embedded it up in the fall, you know, for cotton the next year. and. You know, and it came a big rain and washed all the topsoil out in the road. And people couldn't even get through until they removed that topsoil. So I know no-till has been around for quite some time, but there might still be people who maybe they don't know what it is exactly. So can you explain a little bit about what the concept of no-till is? Well, no-till basically is where you, instead of tilling the soil, you just go in and open up a furrow and you drop the seed down and then you close that furrow back and then the seed comes up. And in order to do that, you need to kill the vegetation or either prior to or immediately after planting. And most prefer to do it before um, so that you conserve any moisture there. If you leave it to afterwards, then the plant's still green that's sucking moisture out. And uh, you know, depending on the depth, like in cotton, you know, it's less than an inch deep, so you need that surface moisture. With corn or soybeans, you can go a little deeper than that and still get a stand. But uh, cotton, generally, you want it fairly uh, close to the surface. So without no-till, would it be safe to say that agriculture would have could have eventually come to a halt because of the lack of topsoil? Is that a fair assessment? Well, I, th- I think it's two things that would uh, impact agriculture, and one of the farmers told me this. He said, if you folks had not taught us how to no-till, I could not afford the equipment that it took to do conventional tillage, nor the labor, and today... You couldn't find the labor even if you could afford it because it was not uncommon you know for people then to see a whole string of equipment a disc a hipper a do-all to knock a bed off a planter and a sprayer going down the road you know and people did a lot of tillage in the 
the fall of the year, and that even created that much more opportunity for erosion because you'd work the soil up. But like I said, undergrow subsoilers, uh, chisel plows and things. And, uh, you know, because they, the time that it took to try to do all that in the spring, and then the fuel cost, you can imagine fuel costs. So, uh, yeah, chemicals cost some money, but they are a lot faster. You know, it doesn't take nearly as much fuel and equipment to get them in place. Right. So you created No-Till, and I know you also was the center director here at the Ag Research Center, the West Tennessee Ag Research Center. So can you tell us a little bit about your experience after you created No-Till, your time serving as the center director? Well, I started in 1978 here. And so in 2002, uh, Dr. Jim Brown, who had been here during my career for the most part and was very supportive of what we were doing here and, and helped, you know, when we closed the dairy, then some of the land for food production for the dairy became available and he allowed us to put weed and weed trials in those areas and Dr. Steckel still using some of that area. Uh, now that, you know, where he allowed us to put weeds on it and let weeds grow seed so that we'd have uh, things to work with. And uh, so I did that until 2002. And the superintendent job became available. And uh, at first I really wasn't interested. I had a good job and a good career, and good support and grad students. And I really enjoyed it, but several people here came to me and encouraged me to apply for it. Hence why I did, and Dr. Moat uh, was the dean at that time and they had a committee and the committee selected me uh, among the group to be the director and so I moved from upstairs downstairs uh, here and uh, started in 2002 and and stayed with it 18 years. Uh, uh, at first I was interim, they named me interim when Dr. Brown retired in April and it wasn't until October of that year, 2002, that I was named the director. I thought I was just going to do it for a few months. Right. So during those 18 years when you were the director, how have you seen the center here change? What were some of the changes that you saw both in the industry and just in general some of the things that you witnessed? Well, I think one of the, one of the big transitions during that era was instead of people just having a single appointment like ag research or extension, they began to have more blended positions where people had uh, extension responsibility and the research responsibility. Uh, even though I was 100% research throughout my career, I still did extension work. If somebody came in with a plant, what's this or what's wrong with it, if I could help them, I helped them. And so did Dr. Tyler or Dr. Howard or any, Dr. Lynch or anybody else that was here. Uh, you know, so we did extension work. If a county agent needed somebody to talk about weed control and the extension person in Knoxville was sick or, uh, you know, had other obligations, then we'd go help them. And, uh, you know, so we did extension work, but on paper we didn't. So that was one of the big transitions. Uh, 
And I think the other transition was uh, at the beginning, there wasn't much uh, of incentive for you to have graduate students. And uh, that increased. Then one of the bigger changes that you appreciate was uh, we were terrible at getting our message out to the public. They didn't know what we did here. They knew this was the experiment station, but nobody knew what all took place here. And uh, so we had a meeting very early in my career as, as we became director here. And uh, the deans said, you know, how can we get our message out, you know, to the general public so that they know what Bob Hayes does, what Don Tyler does and other people do out here and what we do. And so the thing came up about we needed uh, communication. Right. You know, uh, we were getting into the modern world with computers and, you know, and emails and things of that nature. And so we had summer celebration coming up and I remember standing right out here at the entrance of the parking lot and Ginger uh, was working for WBBJ. And she came out and she told me, she said, well, this will be my last time probably because, you know, I've, I've got to go to a, a larger market or find another job. And so I came in and called the dean. And I said, look, this young lady, I was just talking to her with WBBJ, and uh, she she's going to have to either, they're going to let her go or send her to another market, and she's already here, and she's real good on TV and, and everything, and I think it's a oppor real opportunity. And so he says, well, why don't you write up a job description and send it to me? And so I started working on it, and uh, I sent to him, you know, kind of what, from our perspective, that we needed. And of course, he shared it with the marketing communication folks, and they came up, and we advertised the job. And uh, had I remember three candidates that came in, and they made the offer to Ginger, then marketing communication did, and uh, you know, and she started um, with it, and you know, she already had contacts, and uh, with it, and uh, ran with it. From there, and it really, you know, the working with Milan, the Hams, and the two centers in Middle Tennessee, with field day programs and other things. And at first, Extension didn't want any part of it. They didn't want to pay any of the salary. And then it wasn't until Richard Powell uh, got with the deans and they came up with a plan then uh, that uh, they they would help, this position would also help extension, you know, be marketing communication for UTIA more than just the center and ag research. But it, initially, the whole thing was ag research. Right, so that's how this position was born. I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. So looking forward, what would your, I guess your expectations, your hopes for the center, for the this generation of leaders, what would your hopes be? What do you want to see the center like you know, in the coming years, in the coming decades? Well, uh, I think I think the center is on good 
foundation right now. You know, we did, right at the end of my career, we did a renovation on the building, try to bring it up. There's still some things like the windows, things that, that need to do that are in the mill uh, and uh, the roads and such as that, infrastructure. And of course, that maintaining infrastructure is important, I think. Uh, but uh, this building has been a tremendous asset, and we can thank Governor Ned Ray McWhorter. He was strongly influential in getting this building. Uh, but it's been a real blessing, not just to agriculture, but to the cities and county government across this and other organizations that meet here use it for an educational facility. Uh, so that, I hope, will continue uh, and, and expand, uh, continue to engage the public, particularly with Blue Oval coming in. We're going to have an influx of people. A lot of them are not going to have a ghost idea of what agriculture is about. Uh, and, you know, they're homeowners. I think one of the good transitions that we made was beginning to, to shift from animal agriculture more to urban agriculture, uh, you know, home gardens, uh, ornamentals. Uh, that was a, a big uh, transition, I think, here. Um, you know, I hope that uh, we'll continue to have that influence on ornamental horticulture because it's a big industry in our state and particularly this end of the state. When we look at all the nurseries and landscapes and, and contacts, that was uh, the other thing that urban agriculture or ornamental horticulture brought was contacts uh, with people and engaging people that otherwise wouldn't know what we were doing but Master Gardener. Uh, people love that, and it's a good thing for them. Uh, it's health, it's state of mind. Uh, you know, for people that are, are retired, it gives them something to do. They can serve others uh, and make connections that otherwise they wouldn't connect with. Right. I know with the team that we have here with Dr. Stewart, you know, filling your shoes and taking on Absolutely. that leadership role. Great job. I know that everyone here is going to continue to do a great job, continue impacting the community. I want to thank you so much for sitting down with us. Well, and thank to... you, and congratulations on this job. Thank you so much. I've been enjoying it greatly. And thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>